Hello and welcome to the 361 Degrees podcast. This is season four, episode four. My name is Ben Smith from Wireless Worker. I'm Ray Blanford from All About Sites. And I'm Ewan from Mobile Industry Review. Hello, gentlemen. How are you this week? I'm all right. I'm doing very well. Thank you, Ben. Brilliant. Loving the banter. Um, so this is our <laughs> first uh, podcast we're recording remotely. We've done, we've done all the other ones live and face-to-face. So we're stuffing we're, things in our mouth. Exactly. Normally normally eating all eating of the salad that, that Ewan brings. Uh, yes. Didn't know Haribo made salad, but anyway. So <laughs> confectionery often. Um, uh, so, gentlemen, um, Ewan first. What's your thing, news of the week this week? Uh, right, this is uh, tremendously embarrassing. I went and bought a Samsung Galaxy S3. Uh, <laughs> you have some you have some yearning for museum like technology, did you? No, I just thought you know uh, I have been going on so much about the iPhone and how Fisher Price it is and the notifications are rubbish. Everything's you know limited and blah blah blah. So I thought I shall take the plunge. I went down to the local Vodafone and got a twelve month contract from them. It did actually take flipping ages for them to actually give me a. 12-month contract. Why? Uh, and and, and I was paid for the phone up front. I think it was 100 quid up front uh, so I could get it for 12 months. But the problem they had is they their system wouldn't let me do it. It didn't believe I wanted a Samsung Galaxy S3 for 12 months. Well, to be honest, I don't believe you want a Samsung Galaxy S3 for 12 months. So <laughs> me, me and the computer are in complete agreement. Right, okay. Well, eventually, it was a week's worth of uh, jiggery pokery with these guys to try and get that. Eventually, I got it and I spent... I just this is terrifically embarrassing. I just couldn't work it. I mean, I can I can work it, right? I can I can make it do stuff. I was I set it all up, got all my accounts on it, fine. I just couldn't. After lambasting me for getting the wrong data tariff last week, you know, vociferously for for it was twenty minutes. I can't believe you just admitted you can't set up an Android tablet. No, I can, I can definitely set it up. The problem was, I uh, it. Do you know? Okay, I was sat in all bar one configuring it, and uh. There was nobody else there, but I, I was. Someone sent me a text message. I received it, looked into the, this text message system, and thought, "My God, this is rubbish." I mean, really bad. The way that it's dis- the text messages are displayed it is worse than Fisher Price. It just looks terrible, horrific. I mean, because the Galaxy S3's got a big screen, the messages are huge. You can turn turn it down and change it, but I just thought this is actually pretty poor. And then I just I wasn't enjoying the experience. I still have this problem with Android. I think it just is not consumer ready, even though it's 70, 80% of the marketplace. I just don't like it. I think that's my problem. I don't like it. I don't enjoy it. So I, uh, like the idiot consumer uh, that I am, I took it back and I felt like a total arse. After the, I had to walk in and speak to the same guys who, you know, sweated blood trying to get their system to allow me to have the, the phone and just gave it back and said, I'm sorry, can I have the iPhone? So I have an iPhone 5 now, and I am just, it is a shame, actually. I'm just not that. It's funny, because when uh, when Android first came out, I had a T, I went out and bought a T-Mobile, Mobile G1. I did too, yeah. And it was was really, you know, revolutionary, and I really, I was hugely fond of it, the sideways keyboard, and and, I mean, there was a lot of problems with it, but I kind of, I, I had quite a soft spot for that device. Yes. Even though it's a bit quirky, and it seems like the the more Android goes on, the less I like it. Because I, I mean, I've got a Nexus S as as one of my main handsets, mm. and it got the Jelly Bean update update quite recently. And I just feel almost every UI change that's happening recently feels like a step backwards. You know, the right. uh, the action bar layout and the and the various um and the various UI. I mean, I suppose to be fair, it could be um 
because I've spent so much time with iOS devices recently, it's a bit jarring to go back. But I just pick the device up. For example, um, Monday morning, it's, it's my work device, so it tends not to be on over the weekend. Turn, turned it on Monday morning, it's been off for two days. And it's just, you know, chime, 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 and mm. alert, notification. And the whole top bar just spews up with lots of updates and and um, emails and, and notifications. But it doesn't seem to be a very efficient way of, of displaying them. I used to love the ease of notifications in Android. Yeah. But now yeah. it just seems so much stuff is trying to get my attention. And, you know, maybe it's not Android's fault. Maybe it's the app designers who are being thoughtless in the way that they make it, their, their apps so, you know, in, interruptive, <laughs> interrupting. You know what mm. I mean? Yeah. Anyways. Um, well, I, I was the idiot consumer. I was the arse that got stood in front and said, yep, yeah, love to have it. Thank you very much. I'm a, you know, a, a, a power user. I know how to use it. Don't set it up for me. I said to the guy, I'll do it. I'll take care of it. And then I just gave it back. Okay. Idiot. Rafe Blanford, what's your thing of the week this week? Well, my thing of the week is uh, about Windows Phone. I can probably hear the groans in the background about predictability. Oh, <laughs> but I've got my hands on the Lumia 920. Uh, and, you know, that's Who did you sleep with to get that? <laughs> uh, this is coming courtesy of Nokia Comms. Uh, it's a review so device. So someone at Nokia Comms. Uh, because, yes, like, like everyone else, I can understand the frustration around the everything everywhere uh, exclusivity although I, I think there's some good business reasons for that but not, not getting into that in too much detail i've been uh, pleasantly surprised by the 920 i mean there's been a year since nokia did their first device uh, and not really surprisingly it feels like much more than a yearly upgrade which i guess kind of reflects the position that nokia in a year ago of having to rush out a handset as quickly as possible this one has you know a, a lot of updates on it that are quite attractive but what's really kind of come home to me is a lot of the changes and some of the innovations that Nokia talk about in it are less around exact technical specifications, you know, being faster, thinner, whatever. They're actually around things that make a difference to the way you use the device. And so my general sort of conclusion has been they put in a lot of effort to improving things that actually make a difference to the way you use the device. So it's everything from being able to read it outside in bright sunlight not that we've had a lot of that recently to being able to use it with kind of the gloves on which sounds like a gimmick at first but when i was out today wearing gloves on a walk able to answer the phone without taking the gloves off that's great and the camera the stabilization thing yeah it's great for videos and it does low light stuff but more importantly it kind of gets rid of the shaky cam stuff that you have typically on camera phones um, mm. i'm sure we'll talk about you know windows phone 8 and windows 8 a bit more in a future podcast but um thus far i've been pretty impressed i'm i've been really looking forward to getting my hands on windows 8 partially because you know it it feels like it's been a long time coming and and also because i've really been hungry for some something a bit different and something a bit exciting um you know because having complained about ios and android both recently you know they they are feeling long in the tooth and i really thought oh, it's something cool i mean Windows 7.5 or whatever we were calling it, Mango, you know, had its share of failings. But I like some of the ideas, and I, and I, I actually had a, a, a you know, the, a Lumia 800 for, as my main phone for a good six months, which is pretty unprecedented. Mm. Really, you know, the rate I get through handsets, I really enjoyed it. But I have to say, in the UK, and and you know, this is this is only really uh, relevant for 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 us us here. I think the tie up with the everything everywhere network, which is this, you know, the new 4G operator in the UK, is a shame because I I would have gone out and bought a handset at the drop of a hat just 
because the frankly the camera and as you say and all the you know the the other Nokia niceties at least would have sort of had some novelty value even if I didn't even if I'm not sure if they're gonna you know um, be good long term but I just not gonna pay uh, EE tariff rates at the moment they are horrendous and it's a real shame that uh, it, they're they're tied in I know you can get the 820 uh, sort of uh, through other networks but have you any inkling when when the 920 will be on general release Rafe. Well, the exclusivity period runs till Christmas, uh, but they do then have the option to renew it on both sides. So it kind of depends how the sales go. Uh, And the reason they're doing it, I mean, it comes down to business. They think they will build a more sustainable sales trajectory by doing that. Does that mean selling more device? Not necessarily. I think Nokia are aware of the fact they're starting almost from scratch uh, in the UK smartphone market. And so by signing that exclusivity, they feel they can get the kind of the control over sales and training processes that they might not be able to over a broader release. And so the betting is it builds uh, a sustainable business. And I can certainly see the argument, but for kind of the 5% of the market who's probably listened to this podcast and like us, likes buying handsets, sim-free or, you know, has a good idea what handset they're going to buy regardless it's it's not got good news but it, it probably does mean that they'll be able to address the 95 percent of the market better mm. and to go back to what Ewan was saying about the consistency of uh, android ui that's one of the things i do like about the windows phone upgrade there isn't anything big in the way of new ui features outside the start screen it feels much more consistent though than some of its uh competing devices and they filled in a lot of the annoyances i mean it's simple stuff like having usb mode so you can plug it into your pc without having to use some kind of connectivity suite Uh, and there are other bits and pieces like that around the multitasking and decent hardware you know you get the high resolution screens so um i actually think it's much more competitive now with android and ios so it will make for an interesting christmas period um one of the things i think we want to talk about on a future episode is kind of what's in your christmas stocking and there really is a three-way race now well while we're while we're beating up ee that's my thing of the week um i've been reading a friend friend of the show andrew grill who's uh well, go andrew and hello andrew yes um he's a uh how is he he's, he's chief he's he's ceo of a of, of a, an online company um that's, that's called cred that does sort of this social influence metric measuring and I, I don't fully understand that but what i do know is that andrew is a prolific early adopter um and he works both in the uk and in the us on an almost weekly basis and i, I thought well i'm I, for the first time ever the prices of, of lt of the lte tariffs put me off i mean i i normally would sort of uh you know blow the cost and just jump in and, and buy this stuff because i wanted to play with it and why, i did some why I, I just did some maths and i just decided that there was no way i was signing up for you know almost i think what was it for the data tariff so like 700 quids worth of expenditure over a 12 month period just to get like a few gigs a month it was just horrendous so i said right i'm not doing it but i'm going to track you know anyone who who does and um andrew was had been blogging about going out and getting a data device and MiFi, um and he's just been writing about uh, the nightmare he's been having he's on his third sim he hasn't even got an an, an lte enabled sim yet um you know so he's been he, he was literally first person through the door day one and he's still not managed to be live yet i went around our office and spoke to all the guys who bought iphone fives um from orange or from t-mobile on the promise that they'd be able to convert over to ee and get lte speeds once the network was live not a single one of them have been able to talk to their um have been able to get their operators to transition them yet apparently it's all coming it's coming but you can't do it yet so i'm i'm 
maybe maybe there are some people out there, but I'm I'm saying at the moment my my view, you know, from the anecdotes I'm hearing is that the, that it, this network might be switched on, but I don't know who's using it because certainly there are very few customers I've found who've even been able to have a sensible conversation in a shop about getting live, and those that have given their money over aren't live yet. So it, it's sounding pretty disastrous. I think price price wise, fifty six quid a month gives you eight gig for a Nokia Lumia. Yeah, I know, but that's a horrendous amount of money. I mean, no, it's not. I'm paying fifty one quid a month. But, but you can you can go and get you can go and get genuinely unlimited data for you know thirty or forty quid a month. Um, you know, with a with a handset subsidy included on on some of the other operators. It's right, just, I'm just I don't think it's that horrendous. It starts the prices start for five hundred meg, which I don't think is that much. Thirty six quid a month. Which is it's still buying a, a Lumia. Then one gigabyte, forty one quid a month. 41, Three gigabyte, forty six. Forty one quid a month. I mean, that is just yeah. But that's that's unlimited everything else. There's no they're not they're, it's unmetered voice and text as well. You're you're going to get through you're going to get through a gig of data on LTE. You're going to get through a gig of data blisteringly fast. The prices I think are are over the top. But I think what you're more, making me want to go and get one just <laughs> just to feel you Well, actually, I think you're go, being emotive, go, emotional. Go, go and get one because I contend at the moment that they really can't have that many customers live. Because I, it almost doesn't matter whether or not I think it's too expensive. I mean, that's a personal judgment for everyone, and and I know some guys in in our in at work who don't think it's too expensive because they make so many calls, the unlimited calls, and and they've got a, like a, an unlimited roaming deal for about a yeah, five hundred smart as well, yeah. Which is which is cool. I mean, again, it's not a package that appeals to me in the way they've done it, but it will to some people. But they can't, you can't buy it. You know, don't launch a network and put on all this advertising. You've seen this Kevin Bacon advert they've been pushing. You, you can't buy it. You know, you literally cannot walk into a shop, it appears, from those that have tried it, and actually get a, you know, make a purchase. Have and get you annoyed. tried it, Mr. Smith? Um, have I tried making a purchase? Yes. No. I'm, I'm tempted to, actually, just, but I don't want to be locked into a network which I have real beef with because you know... You can my, give it back in seven days if it doesn't work. That's true. You know my history with, with T-Mobile. I've, I've successfully brought them to the, the advertising standards see <laughs> for for abusing the word unlimited in the past so i really i have issues with uh, we giving them my money just on a on a their behavior sense so anyway um my uh, my thing of the week don't launch don't launch a 4g don't say you've launched a 4g network when you haven't there you go that's my thing okay, okay so that's uh, already far too much chat um let's what's the subject of the week mr rafe blanford we thought we'd talk a little bit about tablets and more specifically try and get some clarity on what sort of tablets are out there and do they suit different purposes and we thought we'd do this in the light of the ipad mini launch but also microsoft have launched their surface tablet and we've had amazon launch a bunch of kindle tablets uh, and there's been google doing their nexus tablets as well both seven and ten inches so there seems to be an awful lot of activity out there and not all that much certainty about what's best suited for for which task Mm. Yeah, it, it's it's funny, isn't it? I I, I bought a, I bought the original iPad on a pure whim, on a pure early adopter, you know, rush, and actually didn't really use it that much. And I've now got an iPad three, and the Retina screen is so nice. I do use it a lot more because it's really quite pleasant to read on, although it is a bit heavy. Um, it's 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 just absolutely yeah, it's excellent. Really for, heavy. Yeah. For, it's excellent for commuting, especially if you've got somewhere to 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 prop it up. I really do. I really do like that. But actually, oddly, if I look at all the tablets I've got, the one that really stands out to me, and don't laugh, is the BlackBerry Playbook. Um, I'm not I'm not <laughs> laughing. Blamford's a Nokia supporter. Well, and, and I and just just Doesn't. hear me just hear me out for a second. And it's not because 
I particularly like anything about the playbook, although there are one or two nice things about QNX, but it's still a bit of a kind of a, a white elephant, really. It's that seven inch form factor that I didn't expect to like at all. And it's absolutely, and, and in my view, it is the perfect what tablet. Did you form not factor. expect to like this, by the way, because of Steve Jobs? The, uh, the seven the iPad, inch form factor. The iPad mini. No, no, did you not expect to like the seven inch form factor? Because Steve Jobs said we'd all been told. it wasn't the right size and that Apple would never do a seven inch tablet. Sandpaper, etc., etc. Yeah, these comments were pretty ridiculous. Right. But I wonder how many of us have been, you know, has that been subconsciously in the back of our minds when we're making decisions? I, d- I suppose, I don't think so. I mean, maybe subconsciously, but I have to say, to me, just looking at it, I just thought, well, what's the, what's the point? It's so, it's so small, I might as well use a phone. I kind of looked at the iPad and thought, well, that's kind of like a, a definitely a size up. You know, you could definitely do something different with it. Um, whereas with whereas with the the seven inch, I thought it's too close to phones. You know, it's too it's too close to some of those big four and a half five inch handsets. But mm. to be honest, the the reason it feels so ideal is is just the typing piece, which is when you've got both when you hold it portrait and you've got both hands on it. Um, you can you can reach comfortably all of the bottom of the screen, and when you hold it sideways, it's still sort of comfortable to type on. So I was I was really surprised, um, but it, it certainly it it made me think differently. But also, um, I then quickly realised there were no bleeding apps for it, so it it sits on the shelf. You know, it, yeah. it occasionally comes out when I need a you know to to sit and I do some do some tweeting a live event or something, and I want something small and convenient. But you know, and I've got a Twitter app, um, and isn't this the problem for all the other? all the other tablets, they don't matter because they've got no apps. I think it depends on what people are using them for. Um, The 7-inch use case, I think, is quite interesting because it does tend to revolve around consuming content. And the idea on the larger laptop seems to be their replacements for laptops. And certainly, having used a Nexus 7, which I enjoy using, and I'd agree with Ben, I actually think it's the ideal form factor. It's kind of the up from the phone, and you can read books on it, you can watch movies on it, you can browse the web very easily. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it feels like it almost sits in a different segment to the larger tablets. And I think that's quite telling that you know Amazon started their Kindle tablets with that smaller size. Now, they have gone bigger now. Um, are, are, are Kindles t- actually tablets, though? Well, I would say it depends which Kindle you're talking about because they started with the ebook readers, which I wouldn't call a tablet. They're a, you know, a device for a specific task. And I think I said before on the podcast, I'm a fan of such things. I actually think it makes more sense to make dedicated devices rather than the all-in-ones, which has been a trend up in mobile up until now. But they have now launched these Android-based Kindle Fires and it's you know the HD and sort of kind of the standard version. And although they are effectively just storefronts for Amazon, they are capable of running apps and services and indeed do so. And Amazon you know, does things like its cloud music player. So it's playing in exactly the same territory uh, as Apple. You know, mm. Actually, Amazon and Apple are kind of the two big cloud music players. Um, I guess Microsoft is just getting into that now with Xbox Music. So it, it, it feels like that's, you know, that's why I call it a content consumption category. And I almost feel like uh, the iPad and the 10-inch tablets is a 
as I say, more of a computer replacement. So it's interesting to see Apple come into the seven-inch space, and I wonder if it's going to appeal to a different set of users. Uh, perhaps you know the kind of things we're talking about, consuming stuff on it. Of course, they're both about that. Um, but Apple are kind of coming late to the seven-inch game, but they do, as you say, have a, a, a massive app advantage because effectively what this is is, a, in a sense, a shrunk-down iPad 2, and you know the apps run across it just the same. Um, I, I do have my hesitations about how well it will work for Apple because of the pricing. You know, they've priced as significantly higher than either Google or um, or indeed Amazon. I have to I have to fess up. I've not had my hands actually physically on an an iPad Mini yet. And although the the design has always looked pretty exceptional, enough people that I respect have said the screen is horrendous, by which I think they probably mean coming it's from... It's not Retina. It's not Retina, yeah. Um, I think that could be a real issue because um, it sounds so... It, I, I, really, I know how this sounds, but I, I sat down, I swapped my Retina MacBook for a 13-inch Air the other day, and it was like looking through a cheese grater. You know, it was just <laughs> horrendous. And, and, and first world problems. I, well, I know, I know. I realise this isn't a serious problem, but I think that whilst they will, um, whilst they could have sold them to sort of new tablet adopters, if you go into the Apple Store now and you pick up an iPod Touch with an iPhone five quality display on it, and then you go over to the next stand and you pick up the um, the uh, the iPad Mini, that that. The, the, the difference is noticeable. And it used to be a case that non-retina displays were kind of for the lower end of the market. Mm. But you can get... You know, the, the the big difference now with the new iPod Touch is it has exactly the same screen as the iPhone in it, cause it which it didn't before. Um, and, and so, you know, the quality is, is absolutely amazing. Um, I suppose the other thing, Ewan, is I'm, I'm beginning to wonder, actually, if Amazon won't be the guys who actually make uh, Android matter on tablets. Because... Google have had, you know, tablet versions out there and there's been Motorola and Samsung tablets knocking around for ages and no one's really made them work and no one's really made good apps for them particularly. So by skinning it with our own ecosystem, could it be that Amazon actually get a, a, a jump on them? I think so. I, th- um, I, I do think, I mean, I, I'm delighted to hear that uh, Google is selling uh, millions of Nexus 7 uh, tablets was it a million a month or a million a week or so? It, millions, which is good, right? That's excellent because I like the fact that it's 159 quid for the 16 gig Wi-Fi only version. Job done. And although I'm not a massive Android fan, it is functional. What Amazon are doing is, of course, as Blanford said, they're just making it a shop front. But it's all the other Amazon services around it that do make it very compelling. Where I think Amazon are pointing themselves or positioning themselves nicely is if you've seen their advert now it'll be on the web somewhere but if you search for uk amazon ad on on youtube you'll see it and it's playing uh in between downton abbey at the moment because i've been fast forwarding through it and when i see the amazon ad i'll stop and watch it just fast, fast forwarding through downton abbey to get to the amazon ad. <laughs> well it's not all the time but the the advert very very cleverly integrates um, the tablet into the Amazon experience, and I just I think we have to wait a little while to see the stats to see what announcements we see. Probably I reckon March to April next year. I think we'll have a very interesting view on the marketplace on how things have gone, uh, because I, I I don't want to start citing 
anecdotal, you know, what my friends or family or people are doing. It's, it's more important to know what the market's doing. I want to know how you know, how a nurse, um, you know, who's who's just got some Christmas money, and you know, is going to go. She, she wants a tablet. I want to know what is she going to buy, um, and I wonder where Android, uh, sorry, where Amazon factors in that decision at the moment. And I think that's the point, because we talk about Android tablets, but I'm not sure most people are that aware of an operating system, just as we are on phones. And you, you can't help but compare the you know Android tablet sort of sales numbers to the phone numbers, and it's nowhere near the same growth. And without um, Amazon, and to a lesser extent without the Nexus, you know, they, they wouldn't really be anywhere. And in fact, mm. they're not doing very well at all by comparison to the, the iPad. But I, I do think there is space for this. Uh, just as there has been in the phone market, to have tablets sort of move down the price tiers a little bit. And this is why the Nexus 7 and the Kindle Fire, and mm. you know, you can talk about the Nook in the States, that's just about to arrive in the UK, or rather has arrived in the UK. Mm. And there's, you know, Kobo are doing a tablet as well. Uh, they're kind of a European-based e-book, you know, in the same same reason as the Nook for our, our US listeners. They're all so- quite competitively priced, you know, as you were talking about a starting price around £150 or even less in some cases, yet still delivering what's quite a, a compelling experience. And that's what the 7-inch iPad mini is facing off against, and it's considerably more expensive. It's great because it's a smaller version of the iPad, but I'm not sure it's necessarily the right definition to meet that kind of market uh, price point and category. Well, who's, bu- who's buying this stuff though? Because I think that's, is, yeah, that's what I want to talk about. This, this is re- this is the really hard part because, yeah. for example, I think that um, all your your ebook readers and your Amazon sort of uh, Kindles, the non Fire ones, are are being are being bought as, as Ray says just for to read books, and they're being bought by all kinds of people, but they're being bought by you know for a single purpose, and the fact they can do other stuff is is a distraction. iPads have been the only show in town so far. I mean, the other the other Google devices don't mean anything particularly, and therefore they've mopped up huge amounts of enterprise, you know, high-end adopters, you know, et cetera, et cetera, travelers, all this kind of stuff. I mean, I'd, you go around an airport at the moment, you can't move for people with iPads. Um, no. So, you know, I think they've, they've cleaned up in the in that kind of, uh, that kind of segment. Um, I don't really understand who's buying the Nexus 7. I assume it must be sort of geeks who 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 appreciate kind of the, the value proposition in terms of getting the google services and a browser on a you know a really cheap device i don't perceive that it it's kind of hit mainstream yet because well, don't, they, don't forget carphone warehouse well but but i think just the, the fact that it's in carphone warehouse though i think if you go in and you say oh which tablet should i get they still can't explain to you why you should get that one so I mean, I think thinking about it, I think this is another case of Google making something kind of that the the geeks buy, but they haven't actually monetized it. A bit like a bit like Android itself, you know, they've got something really cool, but they haven't worked out how to make any money out of it. Mm. Now, in terms of the iPad Mini, I can see that there's a huge segment of either kind of people who want the iOS experience, but you know, because of the the accessibility, even if they're not. Um, buying really high-end stuff. I mean, I can imagine that iPad minis are going to be dropping out of kids' stockings a go-go this yeah, year because yeah. dad's got an dad's got an iPad, dad's got an iPhone. You know, and because dad apps. loves any excuse whatsoever well, to well, buy more Apple stuff. Well, but think about, I mean, think about your family, Ewan. Yeah. Um, 
you know, when your when your lads, well, when your eldest, for example, is being a bit fractious and he's coming at you, you stuff your iPhone into his hand and he plays a game, doesn't he? And yep. so, you know, kind of people with people are already using kind of those high-end iOS devices, and there's a really rich ecosystem of games and and children's and young people's kind of apps. And it also runs all of the things that they they want to run as well. You know, kind of you've got Moshi Monsters and all this kind of stuff, mm. which is a huge, huge hit. Um, you know, it all just works on iOS absolutely seamlessly. And so I was thinking, well, okay, so I understand where iPad minis are being bought. I understand where iPads are being bought. Um, I don't really understand where the where the Google devices are being bought other than by geeks who like to have something cheap. And this was a very long preamble, sorry, to who the hell is going to buy the Surface? Well, I think it's, uh, just to mm. answer your question about who's buying the Google devices, I think it's cost-driven just in the same way that yes. Android devices were. You know, people talk about the iPhone as the uh, you know, ultimate smartphone. And I think if you look back in the last few years, you, you can see why. But the best-selling uh, smartphone platform now is Android, and that's almost entirely been driven by cost. Um, you know, people say, oh, I bought an Android because I couldn't afford an iPhone or I didn't want to. There's an interesting dynamic in there. And I think there's a potential for the same thing to happen in the tablet market. So that's, you know, I think it's cost driven and not everyone will be able to afford an iPad or an iPad mini. And so we'll be looking for other options. As for Surface, uh, I think it really then becomes about the wider uh, ecosystem which hasn't really got into the tablet space yet because you know, just like smartphones have been, they've been relatively singular devices and you know what integration there has been has been cloud-based. So I think the, the, the people buying tablets are, um, and, and Surface in particular are going to be buying them because they're replacements for ultrabooks, for notebooks and potentially for laptops as well. And it's a very clever piece of marketing for Microsoft to include a keyboard cover you know, not with it, but it's sort of being pushed very heavily because I think it changes people's perception of what that tablet does and suddenly it becomes more of a computer, more like a laptop. And when you consider the Microsoft stuff that's then bundled with it and Office and all those other bits, and it's not that you can't do those things on the other tablets, but out of the box, the Surface better integrates with that wider Microsoft ecosystem. And well, that's the perception. Replacement that's device. the perception. So it, it, it's for... perception and marketing-driven. But that, mm. as we know, is very, very important. I, I The thing is, I, for consumers, I can sort of see that, like, you know, you don't you want to you used to have a laptop around the house, and so now you'll have a kind of a laptop-y-like tablet. And I can maybe buy that. But speaking with my enterprise hat on, I think we are a long way away from IT departments giving those out to people instead of, uh, lightweight laptops there's just well, you know there's, there's just they're not the, the enterprises are very conservative and, and quite slow to change and so and i think so um people people will stick with their traditional kind of laptop based uh you know experience and then the re the mobile people uh the the, the remote workers uh, maybe the exec team uh you know will get ipads or will get additional devices but i i'm I'm not feeling it from an enterprise point of view. I mean, I look around most many of the enterprises I know, and they don't even have a plan to upgrade to Windows 8 yet, let alone to introduce this new kind of form factor device. They're, yeah, still, they're still buying big chunky Dells. Uh, I agree. It, it's very early days, but I think, you know, trying to see where these trends are going early. And I think Surface Pro is actually going to be the thing that drives into the enterprise market i think surface running windows rt is more of a, a consumer proposition 
but with uh, the idea of bring your own device you know that's very well established in the smartphone space perhaps less well in, in tablets but i think there is potential there and it's more case of i think microsoft had to get into the tablet market and having seen one of these surfaces i mean i haven't haven't bought one i don't think i'm going to um it is a really elegant piece of engineering the smart covers and the type cover it works very well indeed um and the actual build quality you know it feels great and there is a you know that certain sense of familiarity with windows phone and kind of the big question and it actually applies right across windows 8 and windows phone 8 how big a factor is being part of the microsoft ecosystem and having that common visual identity you know, does it have an impact on whether people will buy them or not and it's very hard to come to any any conclusion about that uh, because you know a lot of what drove the original iphone was it was perceived to be you know like the app, apple mac you know elegant um, easy to use, intuitive, affordable. Uh, in a sense, Microsoft is now doing that same play in terms of you know, a very distinctive visual identity that's you know simple, it's easy to use, it ties into the cloud, uh, and it's architected that way from the beginning. So I agree that the initial consumer kind of proposition for Surface isn't as strong as it is for the iPad by any means. And the big big issue is the kind of the app gap. Mm. But I. I, looking at it from a strategic point of view, I actually think it's got more potential than some of its critics are giving it. I, I don't know. We've so we've got a surface on order. The the, the delivery date's just been pushed back um, in the UK, certainly. So, um, you know, we, we've got one coming into the office as a as a, as a plaything, um, and I'm looking forward to seeing it. Um, I know one or two people who who have got them. And um, the the overwhelming commentary at the moment is, the, you know, nice build quality, but they're, they're quite heavy. But <laughs> I'm just thinking, and again, I, I know this thing about, you know, the plural of anecdote isn't data. And you have to kind of remember that. that. <laughs> but my my experience, my experience is that um, at the moment, people who are getting people who are getting tablets in enterprises are getting them in addition to rather than in replacement of um, laptops and. Um, and and therefore, when you make that mental switch to this guy's a this guy's a you know on the road he's a salesman or he's an exec or or, or you know whatever, um, it's kind of because it's a different tool you can make that jump and that's how everyone sort of stealthily switched over to iPhone and and, and yeah. iPad instead of BlackBerry because it used to be that BlackBerry was the standard issue and and sort of when we said oh well we're going to reevaluate all our smartphone platforms and we switched over to ios and, and loads of other businesses have as well and so i look around my business and those that need them have already got ipads we've already made that mental switch to what you can do on a tablet and how you can do it and, and what you choose and why um and i think you know apple were very smart about getting the rich exchange integration built into ios uh you know really really well relatively early on well so, that, that kind uh, of brings us full circle to the original question i asked about you know how do tablets fit into the retail space? You know, what are they? And this is the thing, I actually feel that the 10-inch tablets almost divide in two between the idea that they're starting to take this, the, the place of what was netbooks, I kind of the low-powered but very portable laptops. Uh, but there is a very distinct tablet, which is a touchscreen-first interface for, you know, consumption of content. And then you go down to the 7 inches and it's got that same divide some of it is effectively it's being a big phone and some of it is actually a, a distinct category and so this is why i think there is some confusion around this and it's it's poorly understood because there hasn't been 
all that much consumer research onto how people are using these. And, you know, they tend to be treated as uh, discrete product categories. And I think that's actually a mistake because ultimately they're all mobile devices of some description or another. And there is almost a, a continuous pattern from your very basic cheapest phone through to sort of the feature phones and the smartphones and maybe the tablet phones, then the tablets themselves at 7 inches and 10 inches. And then when does a tablet become a laptop? Does it have to have a, a keyboard? Or when that keyboard becomes removable, what about if it converts between the two? And we're now seeing the converters from Asus and Acer and you know other companies as well, especially with Windows 8 coming in with the touchscreen. And so those boundaries are blurring um, so I think there is a potential to see a great deal of change in the way this market is made up. Now, I do agree with Ben. I think the iPad is going to remain dominant because it is so well established. Uh, but I feel like the tablet market has a lot more maturing to do. There's now an opportunity missed there that everybody else needs to explain why you should get their device, not not Apple's. Uh, and and that's, the, that's the situation that both Google and, and Microsoft find themselves in. And I don't really think that they're coming out with a very clear message. Perhaps Google are just saying... Could they? Well, what would the message be? What do you think it may... I'm just interested to see what would that message be. I mean, if you're talking to the business, SharePoint and Exchange integration. But then so, it's, yeah, it's very expensive to actually... I wonder, that, yeah, has the conversation changed to the point that basically, if you're going to bring something out, like a tablet um, or anything... Uh, rivaling something that Apple have already got out there, you have to play their game. But I don't think I think if you just sell it as a general device, then you don't explain if it if it looks about that, the same. But size. does that preclude? Because I wonder if they just don't know. Yeah, you know, just with this whole. Pre- Please, will someone buy it first? That's our first problem, the Microsoft, right? And then we don't really know what you'll do with it, and we don't really know if we've made it correctly for that. But we think the hardware is good, but the software sucks. Well, well, right Therefore, now, here's some dancing people. <laughs> well, right, right now, um, you can't say, well, there's a massive catalogue of apps, and you can do anything you like with it. So surely you have to say it's got native Exchange, SharePoint, SkyDrive. Windows Live, Outlook, 365 integration, and it all plugs in and your security all works. And, and but has, I, I get why you're, I get the, the reason behind that, but I think isn't that, you know, nobody ever got fired for copying what Apple's doing in this context here, right? If you, you come out and say, look, the uh, Surface is now uh, coming out yeah. and it's for business only. It's enterprise, really. Hmm. That, that then means that they have to take that billion dollars they were going to spend or, or the 200 million they were going to spend on the surface marketing and go well because it's only for business it's not consumers we can't justify but therefore let's just do a very small limited you know let's spend 20 million across the planet on launching this and you know four people will buy it i think they probably had, i just had to say screw it we'll just let's just try and get everyone to look at it and I think there's there's two answers. One is that Surface Pro is coming, and I suspect there'll be more of an enterprise push there. And the second thing is it's got yeah. the Microsoft name on it, and so the fact that it will run Microsoft Surface, um, sorry, Surface will run the Microsoft solutions is just assumed that's part of the Microsoft offering, just as it is uh, with Windows Phone. And you know, same thing there. They didn't really push it very heavily in the enterprise. It's starting to come in a bit more now. Um, but it's the Microsoft tablet, so of course it's going to have Office and all those other bits and pieces, uh, and it's running Windows 8, so it's a full computer. I mean, there's then I a just footnote that it's RT, I but it's Windows if... 8. It's Windows, so therefore it does. Of course it does. Uh, I just wonder if you could get the reverse of, you know, bring your own device, whatever that is, where um, you finally, 
you know, you make a device visible to the consumer that is the one that when your IT department says, oh, yeah, you know, we're going to give you a new laptop, we're going to give you one of these new Windows 8 tablet laptop things you say oh i want you know i want one of those please because normally normally you know you're you're rarely excited or pleased when it say oh, it's time to refresh your laptop see that old plastic dell you used to have here's a slightly different plastic dell yeah here's you a know, more rubbish one a more rubbish one and so obviously byod was about letting people choose and bring them into the enterprise but what about saying actually this is a one that the it department will buy but it will be the one that your 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 users will want you know will help you uh, and, and so, you know, like Blackberries used to be. Uh, yeah, actually, there used to be a real pool, didn't they? That people... not going to rise to that, gentlemen. I <laughs> wonder if that conversation's <laughs> moved on. By the way, having a Blackberry like, enterprise, having a Blackberry, though, having your business give you a Blackberry used to be prestigious, and it used to be good. Not just so you could do more work, but it used to be good because it gave you all kinds of data connectivity and, and capabilities that you know you didn't used to have on your own personal mm. phone, um, and it was generally too expensive to to buy. Um, and I just wonder whether that could, there could be something like that. But I mean, I, I want to love the Surface because I do like the the, the new uh, Windows 8 interface. But I look at it and I think, who is going to buy this? Mm. Because as a consumer, why would you buy something that costs the same, doesn't look you know measurably, doesn't look measurably better than a, than an iPad, which is this sort of rich ecosystem, and all your friends have got one, and in the enterprise, um, it, they haven't really explained. I don't think to the enterprise why they should be getting these for their mobile workers. And in fact, I don't even think that they're, it, it, it's good enough to give to them to mobile workers to replace laptops yeah. yet. Not uh, the, the RT. Not really, absolutely. So you've kind of got this device which really you're just, help, you're just hoping to sell to people who don't want Apple devices. So for, that's, for why, my, that's why I was saying, can we just make it cheaper? Well, but mm. I, again, cheap, cheap doesn't necessarily mean good because like, like the Android... More accessible. Like the Nexus devices, you might sell a ton, but you, have you necessarily done anything through your ecosystem? And I take Rafe's point that, you know, with with numbers comes attention. So, you know, perhaps selling a ton of of Nexus sevens will mean that there will be seven inch Android app, tablet apps being written by developers, you know, hoping to sell apps in that market. But of course, Android users don't buy apps, do they? So, you know, that's a, that's a, a lost cause anyway. So. <laughs> anyway. On that positive note, we're, we're well, well run over. So um, finally, if you are buying tablets, let us know. It's particularly, if, actually, if you've ordered a Surface, I want to hear from you. Uh, yeah. And why did you buy one? And uh, the only reason I, the only reason I know so far from anyone is quotes to play with. You know, work departments buying them. Uh, you know, creative yeah. agencies testing. buying them, testing them out. If you are buying one because you are a real, you actually you know, care. My, well, because you really love Microsoft's ecosystem, because you believe in it, or because you like the, uh, you know, sort of the keyboard, uh, the keyboard sort of centric, uh, you know, form factor more, then uh, let us know. I'd uh, be really interested to hear wherever you hear this. Obviously, if you disagree with anything you've uh, anything we've said, then uh, you should also let us know as well. That would be very good. Uh, you and you always say that we should do some hellos, so we're going to well, do some hellos. Can we do some yeah. hellos to those that are um, currently recovering from Hurricane Sandy? We should, yes. Um, I haven't actually heard from any of our New York listeners who stay in fairly close contact. So if you are in New York and still alive, please uh, let us know, or indeed any any part of the East Coast, because um, or or um, the Caribbean, or oh, the Caribbean. That's true. Yeah. Um, so um, we've got tons of listeners there, apparently. Have we? Mm-hmm. That's what I was reading. Cool. Um, I am just gonna 
There you go. I was going to say hello to John Quirk quickly, who was uh, DMing me and says he's uh, he, he's uh, he has, he's got a Nokia 701 and he lives in Ascot. So he's near you. Yeah. Good man. There you go. So hello, John, and thank you for listening. And more importantly, hi, thank John. you for thank you for telling us that you listen. That was really cool. Yes. Yeah. I think that we should big up the people that actually say something. Robert Wigley, by the way, top man, because he's replied on the. Um... Yes, and Robert Robert said said some really amazing. Uh, stuff uh, comments wise and i also particularly wanted to um pick out jim as well who picked up my comment about um iphone data usage and pointed to a bunch of bugs that are probably in ios 6 mm, that was good. Uh, and yeah amazing he, he he's reached out to me uh, uh by email actually and i said oh yeah stick that up as a comment as well and he did so jim thank you very Stephen much even forbes 17 days ago that was a really excellent podcast folks there we go. There we go. So uh, thank you. The, the comments are increasingly getting really excellent and uh, and we really appreciate it when you comment because it makes the thing so much better than there's this rambling shambles that we produce. So thank you very much. If we've missed you, apologies. We will say some more hellos next week, but uh, we really appreciate it. And if you've got a, a point of view, uh, you think we're wrong or you've got some bit of knowledge that uh, would help us then slap it up in the comments or feel free to send us an email uh, you can see all the contact details at 361degre.es thank you for your time gentlemen thank uh, you Ben J- Jamie Jamie O'Holland Jamie O'Holland yes Callis Sticker and yes. Vlad Zero there we go hello to all of you people as well and we'll see you next week bye bye bye